0: Welcome to That's A Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become the
1: authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Draco. And I'm Sarah Saunders.
0: Before we start, a quick reminder.
1: While I am a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you notice the content in this podcast triggers some big feelings, visit our website, hardnopodcast.com, for mental health resources and other helpful links. Thanks, Sarah.
0: Ready to get started? I am. Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Katie Lee Jackson, a marketing strategist and artist from Denver, Colorado. Let's start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your sort of business and life mantra.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today.
0: Welcome, Katie. Yeah, we're excited to have you.
2: Thank you. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> well, I am a marketing strategist and artist from Denver, Colorado. Stop right
0: there. You can't talk to us. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. There's room for everybody. I'm just joking. <laughs>
2: oh, good. <laughs> yeah, and my my way of business is a little bit different than other people because I help people simplify their marketing so that they can create more work-life balance. Um, I'm very passionate Now you're about, speaking my language. So yeah, I know. Simplify. Where can I sign up, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I am all about living life in the slow lane and finding time for rest and just all of the things that our society just doesn't seem to quite make a priority right now. And it is a huge passion of mine to help people find that time for it. Absolutely.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I I recently read, I was, you know, doing my due diligence and Basically, stalking you on social media and stuff, and great, I love it. <laughs> and I read one of your instagram posts and and I loved it so much I've kind of pulled it off into my little collection of quotes, and it says, "You were not made to work, but to find purpose. Our jobs allow us the chance to find purpose, to create and chase our dreams, but they were never meant to be our whole life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just think that is everything in a nutshell that's so great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so interesting that we forget that so often, like, we live in a society now that's just like, go, go, go work, 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 do all of the things. And it hasn't always been this way. Like when we look back at how our grandparents did things, and just how our ancestors even did things, there was so much more time for rest and slowing down. And we've lost sight of that. And when we find sight of that, it's amazing what opens up for us.
1: I could not agree more. And one of the things recently I've been trying to tell myself is remind myself we're human beings, not human doings. And so really be where my feet are is like a mantra that, again, it takes a lot of intentional practice, but really trying to be cognizant and mindful of that. And so with this, Katie, I mean, we are loving this idea of slow living, you know, this intentional approach to work-life balance. And it is so extremely important, you know, for us, for our listeners. So can you tell us what motivated you to get started with this mindset?
2: Yeah, I um, I was in the same boat as everybody else where I just was doing lots and lots of work. And I was a marketing director for a um, nine studio yoga company in Denver. And, you know, that in itself is a lot. And then we hit COVID, and all of the studios closed down, and we had to move everything online. Oh Wow. And it was, uh, in short terms, a nightmare.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. That's tough.
2: Yeah, it was just months of like, non-stop working of figuring out how do you take nine studios put them online not lose all of your memberships just insane amount of hours of work that by the time um we got to like I think it was July of 2020 and it it wasn't working and the the business wasn't profitable and they decided to close their doors and at that point it was like we had this big beautiful team meeting and we all came in and we were I mean, I was, I was at that point ready to, to quit soon, but like, it's the middle of COVID. So like, can you even do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> where are you going to get a new job? Right. Yeah. We come into the staff meeting and they announced that they're closing the doors. And it was like, half of you is like devastated. And the other half of you is so relieved because you can't do this anymore. Like you right. are not a functioning human being. And so <laughs> once I was done there and we officially closed the doors and everything was settled, I then had all this space on my hands of like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I know I need a break and I just need some healing time because my body was all out of whack and my mental health was all over the place. That I was like, I just need some rest to figure out what my next step is. And whatever I do next, it, it can't be like what I just came from.
1: And how did you honor that experience? Because I think, as you're sharing with me, like, again, we talk a lot about that you know, trauma response or that, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I'm hearing you say, like, I needed to heal from this rather than just, Mm -hmm. you know, possibly perseverate or, you know, fixate or really what's this next move. How did you get to a place that you were able to honor the need to heal and release
2: from the traumatic event that just occurred? Yeah. I think in a lot of ways for me, there was no other option. Like I Mm. was so exhausted that like staying awake during the day was hard. Mm. And my whole body just was like exhausted. I had the worst adult acne that, and I've like never really had acne. And it was just like every part of my body was backfiring that I was like, all right, well, there is really no other option. Like I don't even have the energy to start applying for jobs or doing anything. And And luckily, like at the time, I could get on unemployment and I was like, this is a safeguard for our family so I can do this for a little while and figure out what that next step was. And so it was the summer. My sister was in town with her daughter for Fourth of July. And so I spent a lot of time with family and I spent time sleeping and not doing anything. And for me, it's like a type A personality. And I, I'm always doing things. And I always have ideas and plans. Heather and I can relate to that. Yes, We're, I'm waving my hand. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, There was definitely difficulties of that. I'm like, okay, now I need something to do. Like not having things to do is driving me nuts. And, you know, my husband's still going to work every day and he works in our house. So I like feel guilty that I'm not working. Mm -hmm. But it was the support of him. And it was having this space of just like, let's let's get back to a place where you can start dreaming again. Because Mm -hmm. when I realized it was really at its worst was a few months later, my husband was talking to some friends and I was eavesdropping because I heard my name. And he was saying, I... I knew it was really bad for her when she wasn't obsessing about anything because I get into these modes of like, I learn about a new topic and now I go get every book from the library and I'm on 20 different blogs and I'm like learning everything I can learn about this new topic that I'm obsessed with. And he was like, she didn't do that for months. Like she like woke up, Mm. went to work, got off, watched some TV, went to bed. Yeah. And like, that was her life.
0: There was no more no more room for any other input. You were just overloaded. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was just running through getting getting through the days as much as I could and until I could go back to sleep because realistically, that was better.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you, you talked a little bit about your sort of physical burnout symptoms and the fatigue and everything. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And you talked about how you really had no choice and you like, you had to take a break and rest. But Knowing that intellectually and accepting that in your soul, it can be two different things. And you can, you know, Sarah talks about her shitty committee of the voices in her head that beat her up and criticize her. Like, (laughs) do you have a shitty committee? And were they yelling at you when you're trying to rest and take care of yourself and say, no, 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 you really shouldn't be doing this and you're a loser? And, you know, like... Were you hearing those kind of voices
2: in your head? Oh, constantly, always. <laughs> to this day, I still hear that shitty committee. Like, yes. I, don't, I don't know that they ever go away. They might get a little quieter or you might get a different committee that's not shitty, that can be louder than them. That's my positive posse. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. Yep, I love it. I love the alliteration. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think for me, it was... If I was just sitting at home doing nothing, that's when it was harder, but I had family in town so I could at least go and like mm-hmm. I was like, well this is good because I'm doing something, I'm being with family who I don't usually get to see. Mm-hmm. So that was helpful. And then when she left town and it like now I'm kind of figuring out what I'm going to do next. Any time I did have in the day where I started feeling like you have to go do something, I might spend a little bit of time of like sitting down and being like, all right, what are my next steps? Like, what are my next options? Mm-hmm. And for me, it ended up that just through word of mouth and friends, like there, I had a couple of different brands reach out to me asking if they could hire me to do their marketing. And that just kind of continued to tumble and build up into the business that I started running after all of that. But as I was building that, there was always a conscious decision of, I have to be really intentional with this business because I don't want to go back to where I was. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think what you're sharing resonates with so many people. And, you know, to Heather's point too, it's like cognitively, we're able to tell ourselves, you know, those those shoulds or, you know, this is what feels in alignment, but then to actually execute that and honor that, I think that's where a lot of that disconnect is. You know, in addition to your wonderful support system that it sounds like you have, what were other steps that you started to take to really reevaluate those priorities and those values to get you to a place where the true healing could happen? And like you had said, I didn't want to repeat those patterns. I knew that I wanted something different. Can you share a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think it came in a couple of different ways. So one way was I was really working on my mental health by getting back into a yoga practice. After mm-hmm. after that company like dissolving, I had a really hard time going back to yoga. It just didn't feel like a good thing to me um, until I found an amazing studio that I fell in love with. And I ended up doing there yoga teacher training, just for my own practice, not to actually become a teacher.
1: I call it my me-search. When you go to do research and go to try new things, it's it's me-search that you were doing. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so even just doing that, like getting back into my body, getting into a healthy routine, all of that was a really great stepping stone into like what I'm going to build next. And I, and I look at that as my foundation. So I'm taking care of the foundational things I need as a human being in order to survive, which is good sleep, healthy foods and movement in your body.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And once I had that foundation, Then I could start getting into more of the intellectual things and dealing with some of my shitty committee and uh, (laughs) other things that were just going on in my head. And, you know, later on, I ended up finding an amazing therapist. And so I'm always a big proponent of therapy. I also have a mother who's a therapist. So um, I'm just surrounded by it. (laughs) (laughs) But then I... I started figuring out the things within my life that caused me the most stress. Even Mm. now as a business owner with my own business, I figured out that social media was a really hard thing for me, that I talk to people about it all the time. I see it as this really valuable marketing tool, and I've also seen it used in really awful ways towards people. For me, it just ends up being this huge comparison thing. And so I decided I'm going to take a break from it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. Like, can I still run a business without using it? What other ways of marketing can I come up with to help other brands? Um, And then what does this do for my mental health in the long run by not being on it? And so I took from August of last year until um, just recently, I think February first was when I started posting again. So it was about five months off of all social media. Mm -hmm. And it was so magical
0: <laughs> it's amazing yeah when you stop doom scrolling it's really nice to oh I have time to do other things
2: oh exactly
0: and mental space yeah I
1: also wanted to quickly just Katie highlight The fact that you were sharing, you went back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's common sense but not common practice. This idea of, like, getting the, the sleep that we need, moving our body, eating those foods that, you know, make us feel our best. So, again, those basic needs, you were already on that journey. Then you were able to have some clarity to then recognize okay, another trigger for me is social media. So do you feel had you not been meeting those basic needs, you would be able to kind of execute this social media detox the way that you did?
2: I mean, I guess there's a chance, but I always Mm -hmm. think that your base health is everything. Like, if Mm -hmm. I, if you don't get it, if I don't get my eight hours of sleep, I know I'm not going to be thinking correctly tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to be moody. I'm probably gonna, you know, I, I break down easy. Like there's just all these things. If I don't eat a good meal, like if I eat all sugar, like I'm not going to be thinking and in the right space later in the afternoon. So Mm -hmm. all of those things have such a huge effect on our mental health that we can't be making these big decisions or Thinking about how to do things differently if we we're not even at a good baseline,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and even beyond mental health, our
0: cognitive health—just being able to focus and be sharp and think clearly—and you and I are kind of in the same marketing strategy space where mm-hmm. it every day you're learning, 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 and putting piece puzzle pieces together. And if you can't think clearly, oh yeah, you can't do your job. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just you can't. It's just functional. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the steps you took to do this social media detox besides getting just turning it off for a while?
2: So for me, I, I went in with a really clear intention on my social media, I had um, announced like a week or two before I was getting off that this was going to happen. I set up some posts and stuff so that people could come to my social media page still. And it was more of like a landing page that mm-hmm. explained who I was and what I did. And then when I decided to come back to it, um, it was a really big decision for me because there was a lot of beauty in not having it at all. But I also found that there were some people I couldn't connect with because they would say, oh, oh I only connect via direct message on Instagram. And you're like, oh, okay, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and just like other artists that I like to follow or other brands that I discover, you just, it's such a great, it can be such a great inspiration pool. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to come back to Instagram, but it has to look different than before so that I'm not losing all my time to it and I'm not comparing myself and feeling really icky when I get off of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, that looks like I currently only post one time a week. I post on Mondays, which is the theme of my newsletter. It's the Monday post. It always comes out on a Monday. And I pretty much only check messages on Mondays as well. So I don't have any apps on my phone. So I've, I've taken all of them off my phone. I don't have any notifications on my phone, except for text messages and uh, phone calls. So email, all that stuff is off my phone so that I can not get disturbed when I'm working. I'm not always checking notifications. Um, more and more, I'm trying to get rid of my phone and go back to the old days. Pony Express. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you could still sell telegrams, I would. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so for me, it's just been coming up with different ideas and trying it out and seeing if it works. And, um, and it looks different for everyone. I mean, I work Mm -hmm. with some clients that they get all of their clients through Instagram. They're obviously not going to take a a break from Instagram. That doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's scheduling posts through an app like later so that they don't have to be on the app all the time. Mm -hmm. And then it's scheduling in time that you're going to be on the app that day. And it's really intentional time. It's not just scrolling, it's Mm -hmm. responding to comments and messages, it's looking for specific people to engage with who could become future clients, all of that kind of stuff. It, it just becomes this act of everything being really intentional, and not just wasting time on it anymore.
0: Absolutely. I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. I had to set up similar boundaries. I put it in our terms and conditions, and people have to read through them before they sign a contract with us about when you can contact us, how you can contact us, and what kind of turnaround time to expect. You know, if I didn't have my office here in my house, you know, I would leave the workplace and come back mm-hmm. and have a set, you know, block of time. And I, I lost sight of that for a while, and I was working around the clock. And... um so, since then, I really lost any guilt about that. The other thing I've done is I love your idea of taking it off your phone. I'm going to have to do that. That's really good. It's great. And the other thing I do is I don't check my email first thing in the morning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I sit down, I have a pen and paper, a little bullet journal. I have all my systems and project management tools, and I look at every, th- the, the giant, morass of stuff I have to do and I whittle it down to a few things each day that I need to focus on that day and I set my agenda for the day before I check in to see what someone else wants from me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a great one so sometimes I don't check my email till you know lunchtime or something like I just I have my own stuff I need to do I will get to you (laughs) next so okay so great discussion so far we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of wellbeing, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.
1: So the intentionality piece, Heather, that you were touching on is so important. So as I am about to bring my fourth boy into this world, which I still like every time I say that. Yeah. (laughs) And with that being said, like overstimulation is a word that is like constantly being said and being felt in my current life. And so with the overstimulation that happens externally in our environments, Internally, when we do go to take time to get onto social media, I have noticed for myself setting those boundaries of being intentional about what it is that I'm going to search for. That wasn't always the case because I do believe that we need a little bit of of an escape sometimes, we need some of that mindlessness, Mm -hmm. but also there are great accounts that really do, you know, provide you with, you know, that support or it feels like a warm hug. And so, you know, Heather, you've taught me a lot in regards to, I am a huge advocate of a morning routine and You know, Heather, you've mentioned before, you know, doing your crossword puzzles or reading your New York Times or whatever it is before you hop on to the actual social media. And I've recognized habitually there's times where it's like I just pick my phone up and before I know it, I'm mindlessly scrolling. So, really, to be able to take that time to be intentional about if I do pick my phone up, is there someone that I want to touch base with? There's this really great account that I follow that really strays away from the toxic positivity, but really leans into that like self-compassion and provides like a daily quote that I just, again, it feels like a warm hug. And so I think having that intentionality of when I am going onto these sites, what, are, what am I searching for? And I also noticed that checking in with myself when I'm scrolling a news feed, maybe there was an account that did serve me during a certain time, but then I'm noticing it is starting to trigger some big feelings. You do you, like keep that person, you know, no negativity towards them, but that might be a time for me to just say, you know what, thank you for serving me during that time, during that season, but I'm going to take a time out and I will unfollow. Um, And so just kind of regularly, it doesn't even have to be like, you know, every day unfollow five people. It's more of like when you're scrolling, being able to just, you know, honor how your body feels and be able to not follow people that, you know, aren't aren't serving you
2: yeah I mean one of the things I do is I only follow 50 people Mm. like I have a rule about that so if I'm going to follow somebody new and I'm at 50 I have to go unfollow somebody else
0: okay that's my same philosophy about shoes if I buy (laughs) shoes I have to throw (laughs) one away
2: exactly
0: (laughs) there's only so much room there's only so much room right in your brain so I love that I love it that's great And that way you're really curating the stuff you really intentionally want to see. That's great.
2: Yeah. And you can scroll as long as you want, but the scroll is very short. Like you get through all of the content within 10 minutes. Right. There is just not enough new content. So you're like, okay, I'm at the bottom of my scroll. Cool. I don't need to do this anymore. Done. And you move on. Yeah. And and I found that sometimes not following people in my same industry ends up being better for me, like when it comes to work related stuff, right? Because th- that's where the comparison game can be really bad. And you can just mm-hmm. get stuck and be like, "Oh, I'm not good enough and not want to do whatever you do. And yeah. so that sometimes is also helpful.
0: There's a lot of toxicity in our field, too. There's a lot of, you know, marketing bros with a whole lot of garbage that gets put out there. So yeah, I think in any in the industry, there is that and you need to filter that out. So
1: Decision fatigue is a real thing, mm-hmm. and I've noticed that there are different accounts that the foundation of it is pretty similar, but it can be very contradicting based on what that person shares, and so kind of limiting how many people you're following based on that one niche, if that makes sense. Because yeah, it can be that internal dialogue. We're already, there's enough decisions out there. So trying to differentiate what's true factual information from, you know, kind of that fluff. So,
0: so I love it. So, so far, here's some of the techniques you've taught us. You've taught us, take the social media apps off your phone. So I'm guessing you're only posting on social media on your desktop computer, yep. right? So you have to be very, very intentional about when you're going to sit down and do that. And the
1: time blocking.
0: Your email is off your phone, yep. which I love that idea. You're limiting the number of people you follow. Mm-hmm. I think those are the big ones. Those are the big ones. So that's about you and your personal social media use. How do you advise like people like Sarah and I who are like busy entrepreneurs and you know feel like they have to kind of be aware of everything that's
2: going on in their industry and yeah i one of the things i do is we start off by figuring out what's working for you so like what are all the marketing channels that you're using and what are you on and what's actually working because most people feel like they need to be on every single channel so you need to be on tiktok and instagram and pinterest and all these things mm-hmm. and it takes so much time and odds are at least half of them are doing absolutely nothing for you. Yep. So now you're putting all of this energy and creative power and, and time and all this stuff into something that has no return on investment
0: right and that goes into understanding your customer base and exactly who's using what platforms and all yeah we're speaking the same language
2: (laughs) yeah you get it so for me it's anything that's not working anything that's not getting an roi i would at least put it on hold for now just like put a pause on it and put all of your intention and your focus under the things that are working and are bringing in new customers or revenue and and then from there we can kind of start figuring out like What are the things you like doing on social media? So like, I don't mind just posting. I like having pictures up there. I'm an artist. I like to share some of my work up there. I like having conversations. I like to write. All of that's fun. I hate doing reels. I hate doing all the like extra stuff that you do on Instagram. That was always my nightmare. It was always on my to-do list and I just dreaded it. So I'm like, great, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, there's something about people talking about, well, that's what the algorithm wants. And I'm like, okay, great. I know a ton of accounts that don't do those things and their accounts are still doing great. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not going to do those things and let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things of like, what's working? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not like doing? And then if there's something that's working really well that you hate to do, then we start talking about, is there the ability to outsource? Or can we like limit the amount of those types of posts that you're doing so that there's a little bit more balance for you?
1: well and i love the way that you spoke that because it's preserving your energy for you to really be able to provide the content in the way that feels best for you instead of it being forced because i think that when you are focusing on those algorithms or when you are focusing on you know content heavy type things it doesn't feel as heartfelt because it feels like, OK, this is one more thing that I have to do. But by you saying, no, I'm not going to be a prisoner of those you know, expectations, it leaves room for you to be able to enjoy the things that you're sharing. And then just like Heather pointed out, that beautiful post that you had, so many more people can resonate because it's not this just generic thing that you're just you know, putting out to have content.
0: So, the thing we keep telling people over and over is if you say no to the things that aren't serving you, you make room for the things that better align with your hopes, your dreams, your goals, your values, and help you live your best life. So, that's what you've done. I mean, you've, yeah. you've, you, you are the walking, talking embodiment of, okay, we're done now. We've accomplished
2: it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I know, right? It
0: never ends. It never ends. But, uh-huh. um, I mean, that's just, that's amazing. I don't know if you know this, but I had cancer during the pandemic. Um, I was diagnosed at the very beginning of the pandemic and went through treatment and everything had to shut down. Wow. Um, My business kind of slowed way down right at the same time my body had to slow down. So it actually kind of worked for me. And then as I got better and the economy ramped back up, I thought I was like, I licked this. I've got it. I know how the balance now, and I know how to take care of myself. And then as more opportunities came my way, I found it was really, really hard to enforce those boundaries and stick with those boundaries and that mindfulness. So have you had challenges kind of, you know, since that really slow period, that intentional slow living period? Like, how do you... How do you stay on track? How do you maintain those boundaries and not give in to kind of that instinct to just go, go, go?
2: Yeah, I would love to say that I just do it perfectly and I don't ever have those (laughs) issues. But that is not true. It is a <laughs> lo- it's always, it's just always ups and downs. Like there's just times where, um, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I can't handle this. I can do all of the things. And then you hit a week where you're like, God, I'm exhausted this week. Why am I so tired? And, mm. you know, what, whatever cycle you're in, that just happens. And so for me, it's a lot of tuning in. It's noticing. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm really tired today. I've been tired the last few days. I need to pull back. I need to slow down a little bit. It's being really conscious of how many new clients am I taking on, and you know, scheduling out time of this is when I'm going to have time to work on creating stuff or time to work on my business, and then this is time dedicated to client work. And and for me, that that looked like you know, figuring out all my finances and how much money do I need to be bringing in, and what is my um, my minimal viable product? What is the the least I can bring in? And as long as I'm staying above that, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that can sometimes be really helpful of like, it's not about Mm -hmm. making a million dollars. It's what do you need to survive? What is it that your family needs? And make that the goal. And anything on top of that's great. But as long as you're hitting that bottom goal, then you can start to say no to more things and make time Mm -hmm. for yourself and Mm -hmm. prioritize the things that are really important. Because when it comes down to the end, when you're at the end of your life looking back, no one says, I wish I worked more. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just not anything anyone ever says. (laughs) That
1: example that you brought up is oftentimes what I share, this check engine light goes off. So when we're starting to find ourselves questioning, maybe that why does come up, leaning in with curiosity, recognizing check engine light has gone off, what's underneath the hood? What do I need more of? What do I need less of? and and really you know honoring that but i think it takes that self awareness to be able to recognize because for so often there have been patterns in our life that have served us but to just keep going you know just keep you know pull up your bootstraps just keep trucking when really mm-hmm. we have to recognize the slowing down and i think that that can be extremely hard for us to to honor
0: yeah, and I think the slowing down and, and lowering the volume on all the noise from social media, that's that's when you have the space to take that self-assessment. Mm-hmm. If we're always taking in, taking in, there's no room for our own thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings.
1: And I often encourage, to I use like the three R's, but it's a way to reflect. Just bring your curiosity to it. Reflect, release, honor it, heal from it, and then the repair or the refocus? What what do I need moving forward? So that's a good way, you know, listeners, if you are noticing that you're resonating with what we're saying, that check engine lights going off, really reflect on what's been going on. Allow yourself to release it without blame, shame, you know, criticism. And then, you know, what do we need to repair or to reconnect or to refocus?
2: Yeah, I I have a sacred ritual every week of taking a bath. It's like I have to get at least one bath in and I have all my Epsom salts and essential oils and all the fun things to make it whatever I want it to be that day. But it's like an hour of dedicated time that like Mm. I don't have my cell phone on in the tub. Like I either have a book or I'm just sitting there staring off into space. And it's a really great time to just kind of be able to check in and say, all right, how are you feeling? Like, how are you emotionally? Oh, you snapped at your husband today. What was that all about? <laughs> oh, it's because you've got too much on your plate. Okay, how can we take a couple things off of your plate this week? And and just noticing that, like, I, I notice when I start to snap more at my husband, I'm like, okay, something's happening here, because he didn't deserve that. So what's going on that I can k- take care of that? Or when my my stomach's always in knots, or when I'm feeling really tired, any of those things are signs to me that something's wrong, we need to go figure out what this is. And, and sometimes just doesn't feel like you have time to go be by yourself and reflect. And that's why I have this dedicated self care night, which is at least an hour to myself in the bathtub. And so for somebody else, it might be going for a walk or um, part of your morning routine of getting up before everybody else and just sitting and having coffee or tea, um, whatever it might be of just having some, at least an hour to yourself once a week that you can really spend the time to reflect. I love that. It's like a date with yourself. Exactly. So tell us, you know, you've talked about
0: how you've gotten back into your art. And tell us about how the slowing down has improved your quality of life overall, or how you've seen it improve the lives of some of your clients, or give us some hope for the people who are struggling (laughs) with this.
2: Great. I love giving hope. Yes. Yeah, I... You know, it's it's still one of those things that it's a constant thing that I'm always doing of trying to be better at slowing down and remembering to slow down. So it, it's a lifelong practice. But for me, I've gotten back to my art, which is something that I hadn't been to in a very long time. And that's been probably the best gift that slowing down has given me is just to feel more like who I really have always been meant to be, that I'm supposed to be. And it's given me this space to really come back and analyze of like, all right, what masks have I put on for the world and what things have I been doing because I've been told that I should be doing these things and, and who am I really, and what do I really want to be able to do? And so by slowing down, I've really taken the time, I mean, along with therapy and um, support from friends and family and whatnot, have been able to have that space to figure out like, okay, well, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? How do I want to help the world? Um, And so Slowing down has allowed me to find clients that I love working with, that I get to choose the clients that are the right fit for me and not just choosing any client that'll take me. It's allowed me the space to create and to create another stream of revenue, which has been really fun. And then it's also given me the space to take care of myself, to then be better at taking care of my family and my community. And for the clients that I've worked with, I've seen that by really getting intentional and simplifying marketing, it's allowed them to open up space in their own lives so that they aren't constantly working or they don't feel the stress and the pressure to have to be doing all of it. That there is mm-hmm. there is this space to be able to say no and to still have a profitable business and to still be serving your customers and doing amazing things, but without sacrificing your own health and sanity.
1: And I think that was, you know, a great point to leave on is is this idea of when we have a tendency to fall into some of those meeting others' expectations, what pieces of us are we losing? And so really being able to identify what is it that I need that feels in alignment, what boundaries need to be set so that I am able to distribute my energy in the best ways possible to feel fulfilled. Yeah. Like Heather said, I feel like we could just talk to you for hours and hours, but I also want to share you with, you know, our listeners. Where can people find you?
2: Yeah. So um, the best place to find me is on my website. It's the Katie Lee uh, spelled L E I G H.com. And on there, I have a free guide to work-life balance if you want to grab that. Oh, wonderful. That'll sign you up for my newsletter. And I respond to all emails from my newsletter. So you can always hit reply to those and you'll get a response from me. Um, I am on Instagram now, very small. I only post once a week, but you can follow me on there at Sincerely Katie Lee.
0: Wonderful. We'll put those links on our show notes on our website as well. Thank you, Katie. This has been a great conversation. It's been really great kind of getting some new ideas, some new tangible ideas that Mm -hmm. uh, our listeners can benefit from. I know I'm going to try. So really, thank you for sharing your story and and your
2: knowledge. Thank you so much. I was so excited to be here. And I, I hope it helps the listeners a little bit.
1: Yes. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you, Katie.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Hey, Heather, you know that I've been asking followers on social media to share some of their questions for the podcast. Yep. We've gotten some really great questions, and I wanted to take a few minutes today to answer one of those.
0: Great. So here's our question from one of our listeners. How do you navigate anxiety or overwhelm while feeling isolated parenting in a pandemic? Now... I kind of know that like some of us might consider like we're near the tail end of this, but there's still a lot of parents with young children under five who can't get a a vaccine who are really still kind of stuck in this situation. So what would you say to this listener?
1: The first thing that I would wanna say is that you are not alone. Although it can feel very isolating and how you feel is valid, collectively this is a theme that I've gotten a lot in my office as well as in the space that I'm in on social media people sharing this Mm -hmm. and it can be so conflicting because as parents we are touched out oh yeah we are overstimulated we are constantly with people our kids
0: these little people with sticky fingers and need our constant attention and oh i remember it was hard and i wasn't in a pandemic and it was still hard
1: right yeah and so some of these outlets that we used to have served not only our children by being a great release for them for, you know, to get their energy out. Mm -hmm. A lot of those places are closed or there's a lot of restrictions, but also that change of scenery was something as parents that we really needed. Mm -hmm. And so I would really encourage, and I know especially with the winter months, it can be really tough, but really being able to get outside Mm -hmm. in some capacity Mm -hmm. so whether it is just taking a little bit of time opening up your window opening up your front door sitting outside breathing in that fresh air looking around really allowing yourself to you know change that scenery um Strap the kids in the car if you need to go for a car ride. Yeah. Um, but making sure that we are taking time to physically get out of the house, I think is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. I know when we were talking with Katie, we talked about connection mm-hmm. on, on social media. And I know there's a lot of research and new data about internet usage through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned is that there's a huge adoption rate of people joining Facebook and other platforms for the first time because they were seeking connection or they couldn't go physically be with family members. And so they um, connected virtually over social media platforms. So I don't know if, if there are mom groups where you can connect with people, if, if you can be deliberate and intentional with your social media usage so that you can connect with other parents for support. I feel like anytime you have someone you can just talk to who's in the same boat. I mean, I remember when my kids were little and I was with them all day and my husband would come home and I would just be like, nobody touch me. Nobody talk Mm -hmm. to me. I need 10 minutes alone. You know, Oprah would come on at four o'clock and I would just start crying because I hadn't had a shower yet and I just wanted a shower. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be a parent of of small children, especially. And Mm -hmm. as you know, (laughs) look who I'm talking to. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) but um, yeah, I would just say, you know, if there's some way to find some connection with another adult, um, Even if it's, you know, someone you don't know that well, or or maybe it's someone who isn't a parent right then, but just someone you can have. An... I remember the thing I missed the most when my kids were little was being able to use the intellectual part of my brain mm-hmm. instead of just being physical labor. Mm-hmm. And that's why I ended up going to the studio and painting mm-hmm. at night because I just needed that creative intellectual outlet. Mm-hmm. So um, it can be a small thing. It can be just finding someone to just message with. I'm going to share a couple links uh, that I've been, uh, to articles I've read lately, but one of them was just how to reach out and send a support message to someone who might need it, different ways you can text. You know, even if it's just an SOS, I need someone to talk to would be helpful to people. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, you highlighted a few things that I wanted to just kind of expand on. You know, when it comes to social media, absolutely. I think it's important. There's There are a lot of groups out out there Um, there are you know people that you can connect with again ensuring that we are we're being very mindful of whether we're feeling supported versus comparing our life to other people's. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the social media, there's groups that you can join. Um, The other thing is really identifying, and I use the language of villagers, who are your villagers? Who are your support people? And actually writing that out, almost creating, um, you know, a visual of that, because I think our brain can play tricks on us. And we have to remind ourselves that thoughts are not facts. And although, yes, this feeling of feeling very alone, feeling isolated, being able to say, I'm going to go to my my village paper, and I'm going to look to see who who I do have in my life, and then really use those as lifelines mm-hmm. to to reach out. Maybe even some of that snail mail, you know, intentionally, you know, writing a card, having your kids do a little activity. Um, I also think identifying, and I've said this a lot in previous episodes, but identifying your love language. I think it's really important to know how you feel loved. Are you feeling recharged in that way? Because if you are someone that does really thrive on quality time, and you're not getting that, it makes sense why this feeling can be intensified.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Also, recognizing if you are someone that is more susceptible to anxiety or depression, it's important to reach out to someone for support because these feelings, especially during this very traumatic time that we've had during the pandemic it's going to intensify those things mm-hmm. and so being very aware of you know how you're feeling what you need and making sure that you are reaching out and i know the things i'm sharing you know it may be common sense it's just not common practice and when we're in those moments i mean i don't know about you heather but especially for me being in this season with little ones it can really feel like that's all I see. And so to be mm-hmm. able to open up that perspective and just get back to the basics.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy it's I've talked about this before where it's like the the frogs in the boiling water, right? The the temperature rises on that water and you don't even realize depression is sinking in or whatever's happening to you is happening to you. It can be easy to lose sight of the village you do have. So I love the idea of you writing out the names of people you can reach out to. I was almost thinking, as you said that, like, mm-hmm. like the old phone tree lists, Yeah. You know, um, of like, who do I call in certain situations? I have a couple of friends who are women business owners and we kind of have a pacts with each other. Like if I need someone to talk me off a ledge, I can call you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and I can call you. Right. Yes. And so there are times we'll just send a little SOS text and be like, I need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's just even if it's just one person to know you have a connection somewhere, someone you can vent to. I think that's important. I think everybody needs that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, listeners, these these are great questions. There's always a lot of layers. There's no mm-hmm. specific, you know, one size fits all. But these are just some simple suggestions, you know, to be mindful of. Um, and, and again, part of this is instinctual you are the expert of you you know you better than anyone and so really identifying that check engine lights going off i'm feeling isolated i'm feeling alone and unpacking that without blame shame judgment or criticism really acknowledging what buckets need filled um, in order for me to start to feel to feel better
0: right we love these questions. We want more of them. So please message us on social or visit our website and fill out the little email form. And um, we would love to feature your question on a future episode. So please get in touch with us. So, Sarah, I had, um, I had something happen this week I wanted to share with everybody. Um, my little aha moment about no. So... Yes, share away. Share the goss. What's the goss? (laughs) Um, So... We were talking with Katie earlier about kind of like self-assessment mm-hmm. and asking yourself questions. And I think I mentioned in that conversation, or at least I thought it in my head, that you know when we meet with clients and we take on a, you know a new project or we're trying to help figure out a strategy, we we have these discovery questions, sort of a standard set of mm-hmm. questions we ask, and they're kind of a guideline and varies a little, but generally there's a set of questions. And so this challenge I've set for myself of learning to say no more strategically, more consistently in order to make room for things, I've sort of developed my little list of questions for that. And I actually have it printed out and it's on my bulletin board. And it's just sort of there to remind me to ask myself things when I hit a moment where I'm just not sure if I should say yes or no.
1: So just to clarify. So what I'm hearing you say is that you've developed a list of questions to ensure that a a Client that you're taking on is in alignment with the work that you're able to provide to them.
0: Well, it's actually more general than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for it's work related, but it's also personal life related mm-hmm. too. It's, they're just general questions. So, sure. so like, I'll I'll share some of them with you. So, yeah, the first there's like two blocks. So the first one says, "Am I saying yes?" And then the, I I stuck to five things. You inspired me. I did five things. So <laughs> so before I've thought it through. Mm. Am I saying yes, even though I resent it? Am I saying yes, despite my own needs and wants? Am I saying yes, even though it doesn't feel right? Mm. Am I saying yes, because I think I have to? Mm -hmm. And then the next block starts with, should I say no? Should I say no to take care of myself? Should I say no to keep my other commitments? Should I say no... To focus on my goals and aspirations? Should I say no to make room for joy? Mm. So I feel like, you know, okay, this is my little guiding star, and this is kind of helping me make some of those more awkward, difficult decisions. And something happened this last couple of weeks that was kind of traumatic and mm-hmm. kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. I had a, sit- a work situation where a client was very unhappy with me, and this doesn't happen much. <laughs> That had to be so hard. In fact, it's probably the first time it's ever happened. Um, So it was tough. Well, maybe the second time. But, you know, it's a pretty good track record over the number of years I've been um, But that doesn't minimize your experience of how intense that
1: probably was It was hard.
0: And being the people pleaser, you know, I don't want to get negative feedback or people yelling at me. And this, you know, we had a really tough conversation. It went on a prolonged amount of time. Mm -hmm. I felt really, really bad. I started to freeze, started to fawn. And then I kind of stepped back for a second in the midst of it and realized I need to add another question to this list. Mm. And the question is, should I say no if someone else can do it better? And part of that is, am I saying yes because of my ego? am I saying yes because I think I'm so great? Of course I can do it. Maybe I've never done this specific thing before, but, you know, and I didn't do anything. In my opinion, I did quality work and I'm actually proud of what I did. Mm -hmm. But for this particular person, it really wasn't the right fit. It wasn't really what, you know, there was some communication issue. And so it really made me evaluate. Every time I say yes to something, I need to make sure I'm not doing it out of ego and I need to make sure I am the right person to do it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, if it's not squarely in my wheelhouse or it's something I'm confident I can follow through on, then I need to say no or maybe help direct them in another direction. Um, So I guess I just wanted to share that because, you know, people may have their own lists. And we'll share this list on social media so people can see what I've come up with. But, you know, everyone may have their own lists. But I guess I just wanted to share it because... The struggle continues. Mm-hmm. You know, here I've launched this podcast and we talk about this like we're experts or something and it is an ongoing skill set I'm mm-hmm. trying to build. It's the reps you talk about, the mm-hmm. you know, building the muscles. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I just wanted to share the the inventory, the assessment, whatever, the list of questions.
1: Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry that you went through that, although it also it was such a teachable moment for you that you were able to then Mm reevaluate, you know, this this extra question. And I think it's important for all of us. It's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. One, we don't want to make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. So really Mm -hmm. taking some time to be intentional about you know, what questions should I kind of be asking myself in order to make the best decision? But then also reflecting on this need to
0: help everyone. Yes. Of course I'll help you. Of course I'll do this, right. even though I've never done this. I'm in the helping before.
1: profession. I can relate to right. this on so many levels. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's a lot of fear-filled thinking that can also be associated with it being business. And so, of course, you know, we get paid for the people that are in front of us. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's there's also that. There's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, to your point, ensuring that we are, you know, serving people that are in alignment with personally and professionally what we can offer. And the whole idea of mm-hmm. this podcast is also exercising that no what can we say no to Mm -hmm. to leave room you know for more yeses
0: and giving us grace to learn from our mistakes and you know understand Mm -hmm. it's not always going to be pretty Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that we're trying to improve our lives by setting boundaries and living in alignment with our values then we're on the right track Mm -hmm. at least
1: And so here's us being human and letting all of you know that we are still learning as we go. And we're going to continue to be vulnerable and share our experiences. So remember that you're not alone.
0: Yep. And so like we're sharing our stories, we would love to hear yours and how you're learning to navigate this and what skills you're building. And when you trip and fall and you need a little a little pep talk. You know, send us a note. We, we would love to support you and welcome you into this community we're trying to build. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Visit our website, hardnopodcast.com, for this episode's show notes past episodes, downloadables, and links to resources. Also, you'll find links to each of our websites, clevergirlmarketing.com and purposefulgrowthandwellness.com.
1: Make sure to follow and get in touch with us on social. We're at Hard Note Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
0: And please do us a huge favor. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen so others can find us too.
1: Thanks to our friends and family, our villagers for listening and for all your continued support.
0: That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness.
1: Marketing and Production Coordinator, Mara Del Rosario.
0: Production Support, Evergreen Podcasts, Noah Fouts, Producer.
1: Music by Gigi
0: Riz. Until next time... Thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no,
1: then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.